God who loved us first. May our hearts be open to that love and to the word that you speak to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. After such music, I feel hesitant to start my sermon because it starts with a quote from the NASCAR driver, Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt said, you can't let one bad moment spoil a bunch of good ones. This is easy to say and hard to realize. Dale Earnhardt was a great race car driver, but I believe him to be a horrible philosopher. I've had conversations with many a folk, and the conversation would begin with a compliment and then it was followed by, but. And then they proceeded to share with me their critique in some way. On many of these occasions, I have told the person, you should have just left your compliment at home and just given me the critique. I think it's a ridiculous thing that we've done in our society in preparation of, of criticism. We've taught people that you first are to affirm somebody. So we tell somebody, here, let me affirm you before I tell you what I think is wrong with you. In fact, now I think the proper way they say to do it is to affirm someone, criticize them, or critique them, as they say, and then affirm them again. Then you hear that famous line, but I want you to focus on the positive. Has anyone ever walked away from a conversation like that, focusing on the positive? I mean, maybe some of you are just eternal optimists or eternally blind, whatever it may be. But if someone says, you are just so amazing, but really not very smart, <laughs> I'm not gonna walk away saying, they think I'm amazing. <laughs> just doesn't happen. A bad thing ruins oftentimes the good thing. Imagine how the disciples must have felt. If you want to open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 23, beginning in verses 44, beginning in verse 44, Luke 23, Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 46. In the Pew Bibles, in the, the Bibles in the Pew Rack, it's page 1201, 1201. Luke here writing, right at the end of Jesus' life. Luke chapter 23, verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last If someone had said to Peter in that moment, you can't let one moment spoil a bunch of good ones. You might have cut off their ear. Peter, James, John, I, I know this has been tough for you. Mary, I know this has been tough for you, but I want you to focus on the positive. Remember the good times. It's impossible. This one moment spoiled everything. It did, it spoiled everything for the disciples. 
Jesus' life, Jesus' words, Jesus' miracles, Jesus' kindness, even Jesus' love, all of it in this moment was somehow crushed, spoiled by this singular event. When Jesus cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and then he breathed his last, and then he breathed his last, it all went dark for the disciples. While modern humanity celebrates the cross as, as the pivotal moment in context 2,000 years later, as the pivotal moment of Christianity, it was not, in fact, the cross. The cross was not the event. It was not the moment that changed the course of history. It was not the moment that, that redirected all of the disciples' paths to, to, to move forward with great power and great strength. Christianity in the immediate aftermath of Christ's death was virtually non-existent. If you were to describe Christianity in the immediately, immediate aftermath of Christ's death, it consisted of a group of men hiding out in a room, fearful for their lives. There's songs that sing about the power and the wonder and the strength of the cross. And yet in that moment, the power of the cross was so powerful that these men felt the need to hide out in a room, shivering in fear. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, tells us this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jewish leaders, the power of the cross, there seemed to be none in that immediate moment. Because the cross had actually spoiled everything. Spoiled Jesus' words, spoiled Jesus' life, spoiled the miracles of Jesus, spoiled the friendship of Jesus, potentially even spoiled the love of Jesus. It was voided. It was all voided by the crushing blow of the cross. The crushing blow of the cross. One of the unique aspects of Christianity in comparison to other faith movements is the, the idea that the Christianity can trace its origin to a single event, a sing, one singular event. No other religion can do that. Not Judaism, not, not Hinduism, not Islam or Buddhism or even the faith, which it is a faith of atheism. But Christianity can. There is one singular event that launched all of Christianity. But it is the, not the event that we most often speak of. It is not the event that, that most modern sermons are, are preached about. It is not the event that most Christian liter, literature writes about. It is not the event that most of our songs are, are sung for. It is not the cross which dominates the idea in the peripheries of Christian thought. The event which launched Christianity took place not on Friday, but the event which launched Christianity took place on Sunday, on Sunday morning. Matthew chapter 28, page 1133 in your pew Bibles, Matthew chapter 28 beginning in verse one. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other, and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. 
But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. These women came to the grave to seek an individual, but not a living individual, not an individual that, that had life and had, had vitality. They came to seek an individual that was dead and in a tomb. And the angel says, I know that you came to seek Jesus who was crucified. And then the angel spoke these words, said, he is not here, for he is risen. For he is risen. He is risen. The truth of those words, the truth of those words are the singular idea that changed the course of history. Now, unless you believe I don't care about the cross, I care about the cross. The, the cross is that cruel instrument by which my sins were taken away, by which your sins were taken away, by which judgment passed from me to another, by which the, the wages of sin were paid. I appreciate the cross, but it was not the cross. The cross was not the event that changed the world. It would not have the value that it has today without the words, without the idea. He is risen. That's not my opinion, though. That is from the Bible. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The author, Paul, the author of much of the Bible, writes here to the church in Corinth, one of the churches in Asia Minor. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is writing to a group of people who who are denying the idea of the resurrection. They see the value of Jesus and the idea of the value of Jesus only in what he can provide for them in the immediate context of the world in which they are living. And, and Paul wants them to understand the significance of the event of the resurrection. He wants them to understand that, that without the resurrection, there is no value to Christianity. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Then Paul repeats himself, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. If we only value what Christ has done for us in the context of the immediate, and don't understand the direction that the resurrection points us, then we are of all men the most pitiable. Notice what Paul, the author of most of the New Testament writes, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And not only our preaching, but your faith is empty as well. It's so important for us to understand the value of the resurrection, to, to allow the resurrection to be more than just an event in a singular moment in May or, Mar or in March or April, but that it be something that, that resides in our hearts on a continual basis. 
If Christ is not risen, Paul said, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In other words, the cross is ratified, the action of the cross is ratified through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, it is why the resurrection is the singular event that changes the course of history. If our only hope in Christ is in this life, then we are of all men the most pitiable. There are many Christians that walk through this world not having hope in the resurrection, but simply appreciative of what Christ can do for me in the here and now. Paul says this is the most pitiful state to be in of all. Do you know why this is? Because the truth is that having Jesus in this life does not guarantee some of the things we'd like it to guarantee. Having Jesus in this life does not guarantee that you won't get sick. Having Jesus in this life does not guarantee that your spouse will not get sick and die. Having Jesus in this life does not guarantee that, that your marriage is going to stay together and that your spouse will not leave you. Having Jesus in this life does not guarantee that you will not lose a child well before his or her time. Having Jesus in this life does not guarantee riches on this earth. The Bible is very clear that in this world you will have trouble. So if we live only with the idea that, well, I like what Jesus can do for me in the here and now, then ultimately you'll be disappointed and your faith will crash and crumble. If your only hope is in Jesus, in, in what he can do for you in this life, you will be disappointed. Which is why I'm grateful for the cross, but, but it'd have no value if there wasn't the resurrection. Because the resurrection, the resurrection reminds me that there's something beyond this smart world. There's something beyond the sickness of myself, the sickness of my spouse, spouse, the loss of a child. There's something beyond poverty. There's something beyond broken relationships. That comes in the context of the resurrection. Freedom from this sin-marred world. We really need that hope. We are a people. This world is a world starving for that hope in Jesus Christ. It is what keeps us going. It is what keeps us going. Many of us have known individuals that have taken their own lives and one of the things that we say is that they lost hope. They lost hope in this world. They lost hope in the understanding of the resurrection. Hope is what keeps us going day in and day out. In the movie Shawshank Redemption, there are two primary characters. There is a man named Andy Dufresne, played by the actor Tim Robbins, who has been falsely convicted of a crime, and he's now spending his life in prison. The other main character is a man by the name of Red, played by the actor Morgan Freeman, an older man who is sort of the sage, the wise old man of the prison. Andy, at one point in the movie, they're sitting on some, some, some bleacher type things out in the prison yard, and at one point in the movie, Andy tells Red that music is important in prison because it reminds hearers that there is an unseen reality the powers of the prison cannot touch. 
Red asks Andy what he's talking about. And Andy simply uses one word, hope. Hope. He says music is the hope of the prison. Red, in his wise old ways and his sage thought, says hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. Then Andy says hope is a good thing, maybe the best thing, and no good thing ever dies. Hope in this world is pitiful. Hope in, in anything that is within the prison walls of this world are pitiful. But hope in the unseen reality that the prison of this world cannot touch is a good thing, a very good thing. And what the prison walls of this world cannot touch is the music of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we believe the resurrection is, is the music in, this prison, in the prison of this world in which we now live. When we accept the truth as a reality, with, with this truth as a reality within our life, when we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus, when we live in this hope, not a temporal hope, but an eternal hope, the walls of this prison in which we live ultimately cannot constrain us. You see, this hope is a hope that no sickness by you or by your spouse can take away. This is a hope that, that no loss of a child can take away. This is a hope that poverty cannot take away. This is a hope that, that a broken relationship cannot take away. A hope that breaks free from the world of sin and the world of this prison to a new life in Jesus Christ. A hope that lives no matter what because our Redeemer lives. Folks, the resurrection is the pivotal event because it was the event that gave the disciples hope. When Jesus died, it all seemed dashed. It all seemed for naught. Yet when Jesus lived, they said to themselves, no matter what trial we may face in the prison of this world, we will hear the music of the resurrection and we will have hope. We will have hope. Shawshank Redemption is a, a decent illustration, but it's a movie. It's a fictional story. But there is a story in the scriptures of a man by the name of Job. Not a fictional story, but a true story of a man that literally lost everything. He lost his children, the most devastating loss of all. He lost his his home, he lost his possessions, he lost his, his way of, of income. Eventually he lost his own health. He had a nagging wife. And no one should say amen to that. <laughs> and yet in spite of all of that, in spite of all of this, Job prophesies of a glorious hope. Listen to the words of Job in Job chapter 19. Verses 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Here he's prophesying of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another. 
And then I love this line, how my heart yearns within me. How my heart yearns within me. Because our Redeemer lives, it's okay for your heart to yearn for a better day. And because my Redeemer lives, it's okay for your heart to yearn for a day when there are no broken relationships. And because our Redeemer lives, it's okay for your heart to yearn for a day when no more children will die, when no more spouses will be lost. Because our Redeemer lives, it's okay to not only yearn for this day, but to have hope and faith that this day will be a reality. And I want to invite you all today to embrace this gift of hope that comes only through knowing Jesus Christ, the risen and redeemed Savior. When you came in, you should have received a, a card. I want you to pull that card out at this time. Deacons, if you'll stand. If there's anyone that didn't get a card, I'd like a card in every single hand, so please raise your hand up. Our deacons will get one to you. Of course, you can give us as much information there on the front of the card that you're comfortable with. And on the back of the card there, in the box, it says, my response to today's sermon. If you didn't get a card, just raise your hand up high and the deacons will get one to you. Thank you, gentlemen. There on the back of the card are three statements. And we always like to, to have a response to, to the message, to the word of God. So we want to respond today to this idea of hope. This, this idea of hope that comes only through the power of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there would be no hope. Your faith would be pointless. But because Jesus lives, there is hope. So we want to respond to today's sermon. The first sentence there, maybe for that person that walked into this church today and came simply because a friend invited them or simply because a family member invited them, or maybe just something inside them compelled to attend church on this weekend. I accept the risen Christ, the risen Jesus for the first time as the promise of my hope out of the prison of this world. If you've never made a decision for Jesus, you've never said yes to Jesus, I wanna invite you to do so right now. You may not even fully understand what that means, but there's something inside of you that is, that is stirring, that's saying, I want something more in this world. I want more than this world has to offer. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to check that box. And we will connect with you, and we will pray with you, and we'll walk with you on that journey as you grow in that relationship. I accept the risen Jesus for the first time as the promise of my hope out of the prison of this world. The second one, I have wandered away from Jesus and my relationship with him and I want that hope in his resurrection back. I return to Jesus' hope. Folks, there's many of us that have many times in our lives maybe wandered away from the Lord. You may come to church every single week and still be wandering from the Lord. Just because your names are on the book or the records of a church doesn't mean that, that you maybe haven't wandered from the Lord. You and the Lord know where your heart is at with him. And if that's you and you say, I want to return to that, that hope in Jesus, then I want to encourage you to, 
to mark that box. I have wandered away from Jesus and my relationship with him, and I want that hope in his resurrection back. I return to Jesus' hope. And then the last one, one that hopefully all of us can commit to. I want to recommit myself today to living in the hope of Jesus' resurrection and holding on to hope no matter how difficult this world may get. Some of you are going through some of the deepest trials of your life that you've ever gone through. I want to encourage you to hold on to Jesus. In fact, I would say this, better than you holding on to Jesus, allow Jesus to hold on to you and to take care of you. And have hope because Jesus rose, because the angel spoke the truth on that day. He is risen. There is coming a day when you too shall rise out of whatever crisis, whatever trial, whatever sorrow, whatever pain is in your life now. Let us all recommit ourselves today to living in the hope of Jesus Christ. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him, and not another. How my heart yearns within me, and how my heart hopes, and how my heart trusts, because Jesus is alive, that this day will be very soon. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your life, for your miracles, for your words. We thank you for walking down the the road to the skull, to the cross, to die on our behalf. But Jesus, I thank you that, that you lived such a life that the grave could not hold you in. And so today, we do not serve an idea. We do not have hope in words, we do not have hope in tradition, we do not have hope in function, we do not have hope in any man or woman that walks amongst us. We have hope in a Redeemer who lives and stands on our behalf in the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, we as a people Look forward to your soon coming. Our hearts yearn within us for the resurrection day. When not only those that we love that have passed away will be risen, raised to life, but on that day, we will be lifted out of the walls of this prison. And we will hear the music of hope. And more importantly, we will see the face of hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. May that day come soon, and may we remember that day this weekend. In your name we pray, amen.
I want to invite you now to open your hymnals, and as we sing our closing hymn, I want you to know that the choir will be singing verse 3 by themselves, and we will be joining them on the other verses. May we have hope in our risen Savior.